Okay, so today we'll be in Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 4. Just a few of the things I was uh, thinking about earlier, I guess. Uh, So, usually when I, I don't really try to play choruses so many times. Like, for example, like, I know when I played uh, Even If today, for example, I played it a little bit more choruses than what I normally do. But there's a reason why I I do that with that one, especially. Because at the very end, it says, it is well with my soul, right? That's the end of the song. Yeah. And guess what? It's talking about going through trials, going through hard times, and right. still being able to say, it is well with my soul while we're going through that. Amen. That's something that as Christians, even when we're going through the hard times, even when we're going through the trial, we should still be able to say, it is well with my soul. Amen. And the other thing, while we were seeing the hymns, uh, Love Lifted Me, you know, it says Jesus completely saves. He doesn't partially save. Yeah. He doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to forgive some of your sins. He completely, he forgives all your sins when you confess to him. That's that's how it works. I'm thankful that he doesn't just forgive partial, but he forgives all of them, and he forgives it completely. And Acts chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Gratians against the Hebrews. Because their widows were neglected and the daily ministration, then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Uh, next, I just want to take it to prayer. And uh, Lord, just give me all the way, Lord. Uh, uh, just thank you for this opportunity that you've given me, Lord. Uh, thank you for the calling that you've placed in my life. And Lord, just help me to honor you with this, Lord. Just get me out of the way and help me to be mindful of you and follow the direction that you have led for me today, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. In the early church, as it started growing, especially the church in Jerusalem, there were two, there was kind of like two different language groups. So there would have been the, basically your Greek-speaking Jews and your Hebrew-speaking Jews. So this issue right here, the murmuring that's happening, is between, it's not uh, anti, uh, never mind, I'm not going to try to say that word, but, because I will butcher it, but... It's not a problem with Jews in another race. This is an inner problem with Jews itself at this point. And at this point, Grecian Jews are feeling that their widows were being neglected compared to the Hebrews' uh, widows. They were thinking that the Hebrew, they believed there was murmurings going on and complaining about how the Hebrews' widows were getting treated better than what the Gratians Jews were. And, and because of this language division, there was kind of a, this kind of started to cause a slight division in the early church. Because when you start to get murmuring and stuff, I believe that's when it's starting to divide. They're starting to become 
division, if you start complaining about another group, you're kind of starting to create this division. And that's not how, that's just basically creating division when you start complaining. And uh, the early church, as much as we talk about how great it was, how much all the great things is going, there, yes, there was a very great move of God in the early church. There was disciples, guess what? There was disciples and more followers in Jesus Christ. And there was growing very at a very rapid pace. Uh, Acts 2.47 describes it as praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. The church was growing quickly. There were souls being added daily to the church because that's how fast it was growing. But the church still had its problems. Uh, as we see right here, this is an issue that happened in the church. And, and if the early church, as much as we hold it to such a high pedestal, if, if there's problems in the early church, there's going to be problems in churches today. That's right. Amen. And... The church will not be made perfect till Jesus Christ comes back and takes the church. Amen. That's when the church will be made perfect. Amen. And I get tired of hearing stuff, oh yeah, this is the perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Because I've heard that one too many times before. And then, and then there's times where they're like, why would you leave such a church such as perfect as this? And also, I'm kind of a child, so I don't really have control over that <laughs> at that time. And it's like, not every, the ch different church, God's going to have a certain church for certain people. And that's how, he has a certain church planned for everyone that they're supposed to go to. And it's, and it's, if you're saying that a church is perfect, that's a, that's a pride problem right there. Because all churches have problems. There's going to be problems in the church and we should have a desire to, to solve them, but not Church, no church will ever be perfect till Jesus Christ comes back. And then next you and then next, some people in this subject will try to say, well, since no church is perfect, and there's gonna be complaining, bickering, and problems in the church, and there's gonna be shortcomings, why even go the church? People are gonna say that. I, I know that. But the Bible makes it clear. To not forsake the assembly of other Christians. Right. Not forsaking. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Guess what? It says at the end, And so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. It's getting closer and closer to the end times because each day we pass, it's getting closer to Christ coming back. And guess what? As it's getting closer and closer, it gets more important for Christians to gather together. And as it gets more important, and also the other thing is, guess what? We get lifted up. We get encouraged and we get challenged to grow in our faith when we're at church. And it may be the testimonies. It may be the message. It may be the music played. It may be the fellowship. 
but it lifts us up and encourages us and challenges us to grow as we're supposed to. And if we're not going to church, where are we, where are we finding that replacement for that? And as I mentioned, the Gratians issue that they had with the widows, because there was a ministry in the early church where daily the, the widows would be taken care of and they were in good care. They would have meals for them every single day. And this is when the Gratians thought that they were not be, their widows were not being treated as well as the Hebrew widows. And verse 2, we see the start of the 12 disciples and their response. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. The twelve found out, they heard about the division, and when they heard about it, they called the multitude together and mentioned this division that was starting to happen in the early church. They decided instead of letting it uh, grow stronger and the division grow stronger, which would eventually have created hate, and then it would have the church would have separated between Gratian Jews and Hebrew Jews. And they decided that's how, how they're going to handle the problem. Instead, they're going to solve the problem and solve it with God's wisdom, as we see in verse 3 and 4, how they solved that problem. But they didn't let it divide. And... And as I was thinking and studying over this and, and all that, uh, yesterday at the men's breakfast, right, we had, we had someone say, we may not agree with, like, the denominational belief, but if we tell someone, oh, yeah, he's so-and-so denomination, and he's the person that's reaching out to this person, trying to get this soul saved, right? And we tell him, oh, he's this dumb denomination. He's a, he's a problem. Guess what? That means that unsaved soul is not going to hear it and not going to listen because we have now put division between two separate groups of Christians that are striving for the same goal, and that is to see souls added to the church and to see souls saved. And we can't have that kind of division happening in in the, in the early church, we can't have, see that division. And in the modern church, we can't see that division. And, and they gather the disciples. So this would be followers of Jesus Christ. And then they told them that is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Uh, in layman's terms, that means they're telling them that we have a job Already, and that is to preach the word, spread the word, and spread the gospel. That is what the disciples were doing. They were leaders of the early church, and they had a job of doing that. And Christ's calling for them, as we see in Mark 3.14, and he ordained twelve, Christ being he, that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach. These, the 12 disciples were to be preachers of the word of God. They were supposed to be the, the spreaders of the early church. And their ministry was with the word of God. And they were not supposed to be the people ministering the tables, because that's what Jesus, Jesus Christ had the purpose of them preaching the word. And they, they could not realistically do both at once, because that would take too much time for them. Because they would have had to spend, they wouldn't have had enough time to do both ministries. They could only pick one or the other. 
And since they could only pick one or the other, they knew which one that Jesus Christ wanted them to do. And that was to preach the word of God and spread the gospel. And they set it up. Other people, as we see in verses 3 and 4, they set it up other people to fill this uh, need in this ministry in the church. And as we see right here, this is the first time we see a distinction of roles in the early church. And it's very important uh, to see this distinction of roles because Christ has a purpose for each one of us. And since he has a purpose for each one of us, they're all going to be different. But, in or, but to glorify him. They all do the same thing. That's to glorify Jesus Christ. And, and as Paul puts it in Corinthians, the, the body of Christ, there's feet, there's hands. They have many different roles. And we, we see this uh, distinction of roles because each person's going to play a part in different roles. Just like the disciples, they were called to be the preachers and the spreaders of the gospel in the early church. And if, if God is leading you to do something for him, and it's what God is placing on your heart, we can't be responding with, well, oh, somebody else can do the job. I'm not going to step in and do it. But God, if God wants us to do the role, that means we need to deal with it. Because we can't be looking back and being like, I should have done this a long time ago. Because that regret will come in. We don't want to have, it's a really sad thing to have that regret when we're uh, doing, serving in the church. And so now uh, on the verse three, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The, qualifi the qualifications for these seven men that were going to be called was to have an honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and wisdom. And some people may say, why would the people that's going to be um, ministering to the widows and serving tables have such high standards? Why would there be such high qualifications for these people? They're just serving tables. But that's wrong. This is a serious job. This is the Lord's work. And it's a serious job and it takes serious qualification. Because we got to we really got to be living for Christ if we're going to be serving him. Amen. We can't just say, oh, we're going to go oh, do whatever we can in the world and sin all we want and then decide, oh, we're going to go serve the God. That's so go serve God. That's not how it works. We should be having a heart and having a desire to serve God and be taking it seriously, not to be taking it half-heartedly, but we need to be taking it wholeheartedly. Amen. That's right. And it's it's not, it's not something to be joked about, toyed with, played around with, because the Lord's work is a serious job. And 
whether it be the junior church, the preacher, the musician, the person that mows the lawn, the janitors, it needs to be taken with seriousness and not laziness apart. Because there's so many, there's so many jobs, but it can't be taken lazily. We got to be doing it with a heart desire to glorify God with it. No matter how small the task may seem, it is a serious job to God. And there's a serious impact of all these jobs too, I believe. Because all these jobs, if you're doing it with the right heart and and doing it how God wants you to be doing it, these jobs can have an impact for somebody else down the road. You may never meet this person. You may, ever, you may never see this person. But it may have an impact and be an encouragement for somebody else down the road. And you don't know who you're going to be a blessing to. And while you're serving, you don't know who's going to be a blessing to you. And, and these jobs... At the end of the day, they may seem very small to some people, but they have an eternal impact. Yeah. You know, I look back for me, not too long ago, I was, a, I was a little kid running around in junior church. And, you know, those classes that I was in have a forever impact on me. And I know they had a forever impact on all the kids in the room. Whether or not they walked away or not, they still remember what they were taught. They still, to this day, remember some of the things they were taught in junior church. And it may feel like at times, oh, the the kids in junior church, oh, they're not really listening, are they? Oh, they always seem like they're not paying attention, they're always acting up, and stuff like that. But guess what? Those kids are listening. In reality, they are listening, they are picking up on many different things. They may pick up on how you treat them, even when they're causing a disaster and everything. And, they, and then they also see the lessons that you're giving, and they're going to remember those lessons. Because I still remember some of the lessons that I had in junior church from like probably about like, like nine, eight years ago. I still remember some of those lessons to this day, which tells me, it's going to be a long-kept memory, and these kids will remember some of the memories they receive in junior church. And this is why all jobs need to be looked at as serious, because of how serious they really are. A junior church teacher is a very serious job, because it's training up children and instructing them in the way of the Lord. Amen. And all jobs that are needed in this church, all the ministries needed in this church are serious jobs for for serving God. And I know some people may not understand the ministry that God has for them or what exactly in the church uh, God has them to do. But... He wants you to serve, but that means seek him in prayer about the ministry that he has planned, or what does he want you to do in the church. You need to be seeking him in prayer and desiring that response. And we should should have that desire, and guess what? God also gives us talents. 
So maybe many different talents that he gives us, but we need to use those talents that he's given us to glorify him with it. We should also have a desire to glorify him with the talents that he has blessed us with and the ones that he has given us with. And the next thing in verse 3 it mentions, after honest report, which would be unquestionably honest, for, for these seven men, these seven men are also going to be what's uh, known as the first deacons of the church. And, you know, for these first seven uh, deacons of the church, it says, full of the Holy Ghost. And there's only one way the Holy Ghost can enter into your life, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen. God is a trinity. He is three. He is three, but he's in one. He's one God. He's the Father, he's the Son, and he's the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit's the same thing. I just said both of them, but... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ died for our sins. And whoever admits that they're a sinner, believe that he died for our, our sins and rose again, and he's the Son of God, and confesses them to him, are the ones that get saved, and then the Holy Spirit comes in to dwell in your life after you get saved. And, and that's first how we receive the Holy Spirit into our life. Because I feel like that's an important thing. Because it's saying being full of the Holy Spirit. You first have to let it enter into your life before you can become full of it. And there's going to be many times where we're tempted we're distracted. The devil's going to do many things to tempt us, distract us, and the flesh is going to fight us. And there's going to be times where we allow sin to rule our mind, and we get distracted and can't be full of the Holy Spirit. It happens, it happens all the time. People, it's a struggling fight for me with that. And I struggle a lot of times with that. But we got to be staying focused on God and keeping, and just keeping the Holy Spirit dwelling in our lives. And we have to keep our mind focused on where God wants our mind to be at. And that's why we need to seek him and ask him to keep our mind clear and to help keep us from the flesh, the temptation, and distractions of this world. And, the, and these men were going to be uh, put over and appointed for this business that was planned for them. And verse 4 but we, but this is the, the 12 apostles talking. But we will give ourselves continually the prayer and to the ministry of the word. The 12 had a responsibility, and that was to be in prayer and to the ministry of the word. They already had a prior responsibility, and it was not realistic for them to pick up another responsibility, as I already mentioned. And... And also as Christians serving in the church, we may have an important part of a ministry. And there will be times where God wants us and he's put it, placing it on us to let go of this ministry and uh, let somebody else take it over and let someone else take the next step. And sometimes we may not understand why, why God wants us to do that and is leading us in that direction, but trust him. And then the other thing is, Fear will kind of start to come in to that and pride because you're afraid of what other people are going to think of you 
if you're stepping down, they may think that you're weak as a Christian and weak in your faith. And it's sometimes there'll be pride that holds you back from stepping down in a ministry that, uh, that God is placing on you. But if God's placing on you, you shouldn't be afraid of what other people think. You should be wanting to follow God's direction of, and what he's planned. And also, these men had a primary responsibility, and that was to be preachers of the gospel. And guess what? Pastors and preachers have the same primary responsibility in their calling, and that is to preach the gospel and preach the word of God. And as the, the church responsibilities, the, the jobs needed done in the church should not be in the hands of one person. It should be spread out among the church. In the next verse, people get chosen. People, seven people get chosen for this job. Seven men are selected to be the ones that serve the tables and be called the first deacons of the church. And these seven men started out serving tables. Sometimes it just starts serving, just starts, it doesn't start at like what at preaching, but it starts out doing the other jobs in the church. Uh, very few times, I think I've only heard of like one instant where where God, uh, where there wasn't little serving done, or maybe there's somewhat, but God basically just called him straightway to be a preacher. And so it rarely happens. Because most people that have been called to preach have started out serving in little things and doing and doing other things before God gave them a bigger responsibility, and that was to be uh, a preacher and later on a pastor or evangelist. And it is important to start doing those, what we would consider small serving roles, but they're serious serving roles. Don't forget that part. And, but, with all, the task may be different, but the similarity should be in the heart. It should be done with the same seriousness as the preacher that is preaching, trying to prepare himself. Those, the other jobs should be done with that same desire and heart and that same seriousness and heart. And, and sometimes it, it starts out as seeking the Lord's calling and and just doing the jobs in the church that are needed. And there's nothing wrong with starting out doing what people would say, quote-unquote, the lower jobs. Because, guess what? These jobs are going to grow your faith. And I don't really like them being referred to that because they're faith growers, and they're important jobs at the end of the day. They shouldn't be looked down upon because all work in the eyes of the Lord is very important. And we shouldn't be the ones to describe or look down on certain things that God has placed on us to do. And, you know, over time, God may lead you to another work and grow you if you start serving, and, and he may have a different task for you. But sometimes, even if he didn't have a different task for you, uh, 
and he keeps you there for a long time, right? You still got to be faithful. And even if he keeps you doing janitor duties for 20 years, and that's all that God has been calling you to do, you got to stay faithful on it. And you got to keep doing it every single time with the same seriousness of heart. And, you know, two of these seven men that get called, you, you see later chapters about them in Acts. And what else God did with them. And how God had, God did other things other than just serving the tables with them. He had different, he led them to do other things down the road. And, and the other thing that is important to remember is a privilege to do the Lord's work. It shouldn't be seen as an obligation. But the reason why I didn't really uh, add or mention this verse is because I don't want to focus on the past, but I want to focus on now. We still need serving done in the church. We still need people to step up in ministries in the church and to do the callings that God has for us in the church. So now is the time to serve in the church. We shouldn't be looking at the past. Oh, well, they were serving. We should be the ones stepping up in the modern church serving. And uh, the last thing that I have that I want to make clear is I know I haven't really talked much about salvation today in this message, but I think it's very important to make it clear that good works don't get you to heaven. These serving the Lord will not get you to heaven. It is Jesus Christ only that gets you to heaven. Because I don't, I don't want to preach this message, have people hear it online, or anyone here say, oh, I can just serve the Lord, I can just do good works, and I get into heaven. That's not how it works. It only comes by Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone. It only, it only comes through believing that he died for your sins, and admitting that you're a sin, because your sins. And because if we have sinned once, we're out of the kingdom of God. Because no sins in the kingdom of God. And sin is in our nature. We sin from a little child. Whether we like to admit it or not. We start out sinning as a little child. So if we start out at that point, we're already separated from birth, from the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ came and died for our sins so that we can have a chance for eternal life. Only if we call upon him and confess our sins to him is the way that we get to heaven. It's not by good works. And I don't want to hear anyone say that because I just wanted to make that clear because that's just what's on my heart to make that clear. And uh, that's all I have, Pastor. So, yes. You know, I was looking real quick, you know, it mentions twice that they're looking for someone full of the Holy Ghost. And when it talks about Stephen a little more, it says he was full of the Holy Ghost. And I remember looking at that quite a while back and realizing if you if they're looking for people that are full of the Holy Ghost, you can have people that aren't quite full. You know, not saying that you don't have the Holy Spirit, because like Bob said, the Bible's clear. If you're saved by Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in your heart or Holy Ghost, uh, whichever name you want to use, same thing. But you can have different levels of filling. That's what it tells me. But what I love about this is you can be full of the Holy Ghost 
because you're doing God's will, no matter what what the job is. I tell you what, when I come up here to preach, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost and not filled with me. That's what I want. But you know what he's saying? Hey, even with them serving tables, even with them doing whatever God's called them to do and whatever God's called you to do, he wants you to do that filled with the Holy Spirit too. Because guess what? Stephen, in, in ministering and everything that he did, what happened to him? A door opened up and he was able to share the gospel. Now we look at it and say, well, but he got stoned, Mike doing it. But I'm telling you what, there was one, at the, you go to the end of that next chapter, there was one standing there watching it all take place. And that's Saul that would become Apostle Paul. I guarantee he never forgot that. And I guarantee that that, whenever Paul felt like quitting or anything else, he remembered Stephen. Said, you know what? Before I knew what I was doing and I thought I was zealous, I had him, I, I assented, I, I okayed the stoning of him. You know, he held the coats there. And I guarantee he said, you know what, I'm going to keep on going. You know what, God can use any of us for anything Amen. if we're just willing. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. We're going to open up the altar.